Good morning, Alan. Congratulations to you. What does it mean to you? This this is a prestigious role. It's a very influential role. So before we even get into looking at what the role is all about, what does it mean to you? I suppose I'm delighted, first of all, to, to be taking up the role. Um, it's a new challenge. Uh, as you said, we spoke previously when I was the Director of Public Health in the Southeast uh, region, which would be uh, Waterford, Wexford, Carlow, Kilkenny and South Tipperary. But this um, new role now also incorporates South Dublin and Wicklow because six new areas uh, or catchment areas, if you like, uh, are being set up across the country that correlate with the Slauncher areas uh, for public health. So Area C will be South East and South Dublin Wicklow. So that brings a whole new challenge, I suppose, of bringing two areas of public health together. But um, over the coming months, we'll work through that. And there are very well-established public health teams across that whole catchment area. But I think this will bring new opportunities for collaborative working and, I suppose, furthering that um, population approach that uh, public health uh, generally take. Yeah, and now we, I want to get into the core of this about what public health is all about and what you are going to outline as your priorities because, and if the listeners have any questions uh, you can get them into me on 53 because there are so many health issues out there at the moment that people are concerned about. But your journey to this position, would you have started as a, as a general practitioner or how did you come up through the ranks to get to this position, Dr John? Well, I've worked in uh, hospital medicine posts and then I worked in uh, general practice in the UK and coming back to Ireland then uh, did the higher specialist training scheme in public health and my first uh, specialist post was in Kilkenny. I was there for, uh, for the southeast for eight years and five years as director. So just before the pandemic started, I took up an interim director of the Health Protection Surveillance Centre, which as uh, you probably have seen over the course of the pandemic, is provides the guidelines and the data uh, into NEFIS and to the public and to clinicians uh, all through COVID. But um, I suppose uh, there's been a reform of public health and the creation of new consultant posts in public health where there were previously specialists. So this is, I suppose, the first uh, phase of that with the establishment of six area directors and there have been um, 18 public health consultants uh, appointed as well and um, more to come in the the next year and a half there'll be a a recruitment campaign ongoing both for public health consultants and for all the multidisciplinary team members that we work with in public health. So you're actually coming from a medical background then, have I got that right? You were were a medical practitioner and are a a medical practitioner. That's right, yeah. yeah. And the reason I'm saying that to you, John, is because a lot of people sometimes are critical. They say that uh, there, there's a lot of, um, how would you put it, non-medical people in high positions within the HSC and they'd like to see more medical people coming through. And, and you're proof positive that you can come through, That's that the, the channels are open for people like you to come through. Yeah, I suppose public health um, medicine as a specialty is well established in Ireland. As I mentioned previously, uh, the grade was specialist in public health medicine, but now I suppose this um, reform and the creation of uh, consultants in public health medicine puts us on a par with other uh, specialties, and that will help with recruitment into the specialty. But um, as well as that, I would say that the um, multidisciplinary team members, we've seen that throughout COVID that... Uh, nurses, uh, the other senior medical officers, surveillance scientists, administration staff and so on 
all have a huge part to play in the overall team approach to the public health uh, response to a crisis like COVID, but also to the various other areas of work that we do in public health. All right. Uh, the definition of public health, I have it in front of me, is the science and art of preventing disease, prolonging life, and promoting, protecting, and improving health through the organised efforts of society. That's just one definition I have of it. And it goes under headings like health protection, health improvement, and health services. What, what have you uh, identified, I know it's very early into your tenure, but what have you identified that will be your main priorities? Well, I suppose at the moment where um, COVID hasn't gone away fully. Uh, you know, we've been dealing for uh, over two years with that public health emergency, and, and we still are. Um, there's, um, you mentioned those four domains of public health medicine, and health protection incorporates the communicable diseases, that, and we'd be familiar with influenza, tuberculosis, the vaccine-preventable ones like measles and meningococcal disease or meningitis. But also it's broader than that, I suppose, we have a role with the local authorities in ensuring clean drinking water and also with the Garda Shikana and the lo- uh, local authorities in relation to planning uh, and responding to emergencies. The area of environment and health then also comes under health protection. But outside of th- that, there's the health improvement and health service improvement. And that's public health really working with and through others, as you said there, to try and improve health services, trying to improve the health of people generally. And improving health is around the determinants of health, like uh, trying to work with people and support people to make healthier choices, stopping smoking, reducing alcohol consumption, exercise, diet, uh, maintaining a healthy weight. So we work with uh, various different stakeholders um, to to try and um, achieve those objectives. And again, the learning from pandemic, I suppose, has been really significant in that the range of stakeholders that public health can work with is immense. And each of those stakeholders, for instance, the local authorities, have their own established networks out in society for communicating information to people, for engaging with people and consulting with them. So we've tapped into all of that over the course of the pandemic, and we would plan to do that uh, more when we return to the more general public health uh, work that I've described there. Right, and just to, uh, for the for my benefit and for the benefit of my listeners as well, like I, I constantly when I deal with health issues, I would deal, if I'm dealing with hospital matters, I deal with the Ireland East Group, if I'm dealing oh. with people like you, I talk I talk to the HSC sometimes I find it hard to understand where the line is drawn, so do you, will you have an input say into the workings of Wexford General Hospital and even to general practitioners here in Wexford, do, do you work closely with them or in, even in an advisory capacity what, what is the link between what you do and the, what I've just mentioned there, GPs and Wexford General Hospital and the services? So I, I suppose um, in this new reform to public health there will be national and regional elements. It's described as a hub-and-spoke model. So I mentioned there will be six uh, areas, uh, mine being area C. At the national level, public health are involved in areas like chronic disease management, uh, the clinical programmes for disease, very much involved with all of the hospital clinicians and GPs around those kind of areas, and improving the quality of care, evaluating the services. So we would work with the GPs and with the clinicians to evaluate the services, to look at um, what's referred to as uh, population health needs assessments. So if we carry out a needs assessment for services in a particular area, we're looking at the 
uh, demographics of the people in that uh, area, the uh, age uh, profile, I suppose, and the um, inc- the prevalence of various different conditions, and bringing that to bear then on the, the planning of uh, various services. So uh, absolutely we work very closely with the, the hospital clinicians and the um, hospital management general practitioners uh, and a, a wide range of uh, other stakeholders, both within the HSE and outside. You used something called epidemiology, which is a statistical yes. science. Can you describe that to me? What is this and how important is it to prevent further epidemics? Because prevention is very much part of, of your new brief, isn't it? To, to spot something before it happens. Yeah, and I suppose at its simplest, uh, epidemiology is the sort of who, where, what, when in relation to uh, disease and uh, health of a population. So uh, we look at population profile of health and disease and to be able to describe that in the population and specifically in relation to uh, infectious diseases like COVID to be able to gather the the data to analyse it and collate it and produce reports that describe the burden of the infection in the population and the trend that it's taking. You would have seen throughout the pandemic the presentations at NEFIS and HSE press conferences of where are we at now with COVID across the country? Uh, the numbers, I suppose, the data, that, that's the epidemiology uh, being presented in that way, communicated to the public. And I suppose but the, that type of study or epidemiology can inform both the planning of health services, uh, working with clinicians, but also communicating with the public and making that kind of data available. Mm. But we've seen when we make made that uh, COVID data available on websites and in press conferences to the public the public then were able to make decisions based on that and we often found that uh, people out in society I think we called it anticipatory behaviour looking at the COVID numbers and where the outbreaks were occurring and so on and looking at the trends they took some preventive actions themselves even a number of days ahead of it being uh, encouraged at press conferences and so forth so yeah. I suppose coming back to, you mentioned my priorities, I think providing information to clinicians, providing information to the public and communicating it well yeah. would be one really key priority that I would have. Where are we with COVID at the moment? Because it's gone, I mean, I, I, this is the first time I've mentioned the word in the last two, two yeah. or three weeks. This is the first time I've spoken to somebody about it. Um, I know it's still out there in the community because there are people constantly contact the programme who tell me that they have it. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to be very high up on the, the list of press information at the moment. Where are we at with it at the moment, Dr. John? Well, um, I suppose the um, certainly, as you mentioned, it's still out there. Um, the uh, guidelines for uh, testing uh, have changed in that it's uh, advised now that people who are in high-risk groups and people uh, who are most most vulnerable and healthcare workers, people who are pregnant and so on, are tested. So, But the data that we have is showing, as you said, that we are still seeing cases, we're still seeing outbreaks. But I suppose the big change has been brought about by vaccination. The um, vaccine has been shown to be safe and effective, but it's particularly effective in preventing severe disease. Um, And that's preventing hospitalisation, preventing people having to go to ICU and uh, making a huge uh, improvement in relation to the risk of mortality. So 
as you know, um, at the moment, the campaign is being uh, advertised for people who are over 65 and people who have uh, vulnerable conditions to have their fourth booster dose. And I, I couldn't emphasize uh, strongly enough the importance for people to avail of that because the COVID, uh, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID virus uh, is still, uh, can be a dangerous virus, particularly for older people or people with uh, medical conditions. But when someone has had the vaccine, it gives them a huge mm. protection against those kind of severe effects of it. And Dr. John, when, when we're, we're speaking to Dr. John Codahy, newly appointed Area Director of Public Health, um, when will that come further down the chain to people, say, 60 to 65, 55 to 60? And when will we need our fourth booster? We, most of us will well, be have our third booster at this stage. When yeah. will the, in other words, when will the, the third booster start to, 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 to lose its effect? The National Immunisation Advisory Committee is um, a, a, a committee of a, a very broad range, I suppose, of specialists. And at every interval throughout the last few years of the pandemic, they consider all of the evidence uh, coming from the likes of the World Health Organization, from the studies of vaccine uh, effectiveness, the studies of the virus itself. And th- they make the recommendations then to the Department of Health of the next phase of vaccination. And we, we, to be honest with you, we don't really know yet, um, you know, whether everybody is going to need a fourth dose. What, you know, in previous phases of vaccination, as you've described there, we've seen that we start off with the most vulnerable, like the over 65s, and then we go to the over 50s, the over 40s and so on. But in this case, uh, we have that advisory committee are looking at uh, the studies around people who've already had three doses and looking at what was the marginal benefit then for them to have uh, a fourth dose. If they are to have a fourth dose, what the best timing of that is to be. Um, And I suppose a key question that uh, they and other countries will be considering is whether annual vaccination for COVID will be indicated for uh, certain groups to be decided in a similar way to the seasonal influenza vaccination that people have each year. But I suppose fair to say the jury is out on that for the moment but the National Immunisation Advisory Committee that would be their next report would be to advise on any further expansion of the programme. Look, uh, it's it's, uh, wonderful to talk to you today and have some time to talk to you as well about your your plans to go through those those six uh, areas that you mentioned and to to wish you well and hopefully it's the first of many conversations we have. We spoke before but uh, good luck on your new appointment, it's a vital one so many key areas and of course prevention is very much what you're uh, about so um, do keep us up to date with any further developments please. I would like to. Thank you very much.